Bibles to Psalms 107. Psalms 107. She's singing about storms and how we need to learn to just trust God in those difficulties. And I'm going to be preaching about storms this morning. You know, there's so many stories about storms in the scriptures that I was just thinking this week as I was preparing this message that I ought to do a series called Storm Stories. I might do that one of these days. But uh, one of my very favorite is found here in Psalms 107. We'll begin reading in verse 23. They that go down to the sea in ships that do business in great waters, these see the works of the Lord and His wonders in the deep. For He commandeth and raiseth the stormy wind which lifteth up the waves thereof. They mount up to the heaven and they go down again to the depths. Their soul is melted because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wit's end. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and He bringeth them out of their distresses. He maketh the storm a calm, so that the waves thereof are still. Then are they glad, because they be quiet, so He bringeth them unto their desired haven. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. Let them exalt Him also in the congregation of the people and praise Him in the assembly of the elders. I want you to focus in on verse number 27, our text this morning. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man on are at their wits in. This is a picture of people in need, and consequently that applies to everybody here this morning. There's no one here that uh, doesn't have have some need. Man is a needy creature. And God designed us in such a way that we are never complete without Him. We're always in need of Him every moment of every day. And thankfully, He is a merciful and a mighty God. He's our helper in time of need. And that's what we see in this psalm. This psalm actually gives us four different pictures of people in need. Uh, beginning in verse 4 down through verse 9, the picture has to do with sojourners. They're out in the desert and they're traveling there and consequently they encounter needs. Verse 10 through 16, he speaks about those that are slaves in darkness. Verse 17 through verse 22, he talks about sick people that are dying in their need. But here in this section that I just read, he's speaking about sailors. Sailors, those out on life's sea and in a storm. And notice there in verse 27, this phrase, they are at their wits end. I want to speak to you this morning about wits end. In other words, they had come to the end 
of their understanding, the end of their wisdom. They have, as we would say today, they have reached their limit. They are afraid, they're confused, they're perplexed, they're overwhelmed by the circumstances. Now keep in mind that we're talking about skilled sailors here. Notice it said they they do business in great waters. This is something that they're familiar with. I mean, they travel upon the water from one place to another, bringing in their goods. So these fellows have encountered storms before, but... This is not business as usual on this day. This storm is so strong that it brings them to their wits' end. And I suspect this morning there's someone here that feels like they are at their wits' end concerning their situation. And there are a lot of different things that could cause that, things that could make you feel that way, that I've just reached my limit. I am at my wit's end. So there are reasons for it. And as I just mentioned, actually we see four reasons given here in this psalm. There are those that are deprived as sojourners in the desert. You know, being in the desert is one thing. When your backpack is full and you've got plenty of water or a caravan, you know, to follow along and supply your needs. But we're talking about those that are deprived, sojourners in the desert. And then he turns from that to those that are detained as slaves in a dungeon. Not a pleasant place to be. Slaves in a dungeon. And then he speaks about people that are diseased. They're sick people and they're dying. But in this case, it has to do with distressed sailors that are in danger. Now, there are a lot of other things that that could cause us to come to our wits' end, and it might be this morning that, you know, the nature of your problem is entirely different than theirs, but at the same time, it's a problem. It might be a physical need. You know, I'm sure, I'm sure for many folks, it's just so frustrating and uh, I know with Bev, you know, going to, it's, it's one doctor's appointment after another, and if it's not this, it's that. And there are many of you here that have similar problems, that physical problems that just bring you to your wits end, and you think, Lord, just, you know, let me have one day where I feel like I did when I was 16 years old, or, yeah. Physical needs. Uh, look, they can get us to that place that we come to our wits end. It might be domestic issues. It might be that there are those that, uh, well, it's just, it's just constant feuding in the home. It, it, it might be that, you know, the, the, the children have, have just reached the point that they feel like they can't take it anymore. You know, usually we talk about the effect of domestic problems on mom and dad, but let me tell you, usually it's the children that end up paying the price for that. So many times there are those, you know, that whenever they took their vows and they meant it from the bottom of their heart, and yet now they've reached a place in life, it's like, I don't know what to do. I am at my wit's end. I'm hurting, I'm confused, I'm angry, and everything else that goes along with it, I'm at my wit's end. Domestically, physically, emotionally. It might be that everything seems to be going well. All is at peace in the home. 
It might be that you're in perfect health, at least for your age, and you're doing fine there, but there are certain emotional problems in your life that just drag you down to the point that you find yourself at your wit's end and you don't know what to do. might be a financial problem that brings people to that that place to where they say, I'm at my wit's end. I work hard every day. I do the very best I can. And it seems like everything is going against me. might be a spiritual problems. Whatever the case, the number and the nature of your problems isn't the issue. We think it is, but that's not the issue. It's not the number of problems you have. It's not the nature of the problems you have. The real issue is that we need help. And there are people that are worried and they're wringing their hands in despair because they're hurting, they're afraid. They don't understand why things are like they are and nobody else has the answer and God's not talking. And they feel desperate because there doesn't seem to be any way out. doesn't seem to be any hope of help. So what do you, what do, you do when you find yourself at your wit's end? Whatever the reason, what do you do? Well, notice verse 28, because here I think we find the remedy in verse 28. Notice, then, that's interesting, that word then, notice, not before, but then they cry unto the Lord. The first thing that we have to do is to admit that we need help. You can't help someone that will not admit they need help. There are people that go through their life pretending. People, you know, that they want to put on a good front. They act like everything is all right in their life when deep down they know it's not all right. They simply do not want to deal with the issues in their life. And they're too proud to admit that I've got a problem and I need help. These, these men became so fearful, so desperate they admitted their need of help. And that led them to ask the Lord for the help. Look, look back at verse 25 for a moment because a lot of people think, well, you know, something bad happened and think, well, that just happened. You know, that happens to everybody. But look at verse 25. For He, that's God, for He commandeth and raiseth the stormy wind. You see, this storm was not by accident. And by the way, it doesn't say anything here about them bringing it upon themselves because of sin. Sometimes we do that. Sometimes, as even as God's children, there are times in our life that we disobey God, we ignore His warnings, and as a result of that, God out of love is forced to chastise us. But nothing is said about that here. doesn't say they're smuggling drugs. Nothing said about that. It just says here they're doing business. Business as usual out in the great waters. And God raised the storm. You know, sometimes our greatest need is to be in need. Amen? Because God knows you can't help some people by providing everything they want. He knows some people will never receive help until first of all they're hurt. 
And we think, you know, how could a loving God do that? It seems so cruel that God would put people in a situation like that. It's not cruel, it's concern. Because God's wisdom prevents Him from giving us what we want because He knows what we need. Boy, we'd all be in a horrible mess if God said, okay, just whatever you want, that'll be all right. In other words, whatever, whatever the desire of your heart is in the sense that you can fulfill all of the lust of the flesh, whatever you want, you can have. Just do it your way. Thank God for unanswered prayer. The times that God refuses to give us what we want because He's too wise to let us hurt ourselves. If we want things to change, pleasing God is the best way to have the best chance for a change in our life. That's the only way we can have assurance that our basic needs are going to be met. That's why the Lord said in Matthew 6.33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. By the way, when He says all of these things will be added to you, He's not inferring by that statement that you'll never be in a storm, that you'll never get to. He's not saying that. He's saying, I'll provide the basic needs of life, but there are going to be other times in our life that God not only allows, but God actually raises a storm and makes life more difficult than what we want it to be because God knows that that's the only thing that will draw us to a closer fellowship with Him. So the remedy is to ask God. And there's so many times I think we fail to do that. We know the problem. Not only our problem, we know, you know, the problems that other people are going through. You know, I can look out there and look into the faces of different people that are going through really difficult times in their life. We keep a prayer list and we all, you know, have access to that, to where we can identify those that are going through difficulty. But you know, that doesn't solve the problem just looking at the prayer list and reading off the names. The only thing that is going to help with the problem is to actually pray. And then, not before, but then these fellows started praying and they're asking God for help. Notice now the relief that comes in verse number 28. Notice the last part of verse number 28. They cried unto the Lord, but notice, and He bringeth them out of their distresses. No, He made the, verse 29, made the storm a calm, and the waves thereof are still. And then they're glad. I'll bet they were. I'll bet they were. You know, whenever we display faith in God... By calling upon God, surrendering to the will of God, we can expect help from God. Amen. Have you ever thought about what a great honor it is to God for us to, to call upon Him and to trust Him? That's why the Bible says, for without faith it's impossible to please God. You know, we get this idea that all we've got to do to please God is attend church, give our tithe, read our Bible, and... Just do all of those basic things and God's pleased, not necessarily. 
When we fail to trust Him, whenever we let doubt take over our mind, whenever, whenever we allow the situation to, to, to drive us to despair, God is not pleased with that. And that's why over and over again He says, fear not. In other words, God is simply saying, trust me. One way or another, God always provides what's needed. If He doesn't calm the storm, He'll change you. If He doesn't change your situation, He'll change you. If He doesn't calm the storm that's around you, He'll calm the storm that is within you. So many times, you know, that we just, we're almost insistent that God, if you expect me to be happy, the only way I'm ever going to be happy is for, is for you to just, you know, take this storm away and, uh, to let everything go the, you know, the way that I, that I desire in my heart. And as I said, God's too wise to do that because God's going to do whatever is best. There are times, there are times whenever, you know, it'll be smooth sailing. There'll be other times that God will see the need for letting us get into a situation that we'll get so desperate that we'll turn to Him. That's why I've often said prosperity has ruined far more people than poverty ever has. You see, in a time of poverty, a time of need, we're liable to turn to God. But boy, whenever we're living in the lap of luxury and we become spoiled and, and we begin to expect and to think that we are entitled, that's when we're really in trouble. So relief doesn't come necessarily from getting out of the storm or even from avoiding the storm altogether. Relief comes whenever we acknowledge that God knows what is best and we accept whatever God allows or whatever God appoints. Now in this case, God appointed the storm. He raised the storm. But there are other situations that things that happen in our life that God allows. And whether He allows it or whether He appoints it, make no mistake about it, God is in control. There's nothing that's just going to just happen. It's just a big accident. Well, I don't have any idea how we got here. Well, I do. God either appointed it or God allowed it. And He expects our behavior to be godly regardless of what the circumstances are. It's never reasonable for you and I to, to, to think that we know better than what God does. That we're wise enough to chart our own course, to choose whatever we please, or to conquer our own problems. That's why Jeremiah said the way of man is not in man himself to direct his steps. We, we, we don't know what to do without God. Now, I want you to notice the response. The rem remedy, of course, is to, is to ask God for help, having recognized that you need Him. The result of that is God leaps into action. But notice the response. And by the way, we see this same thing in verse 8, verse 15, verse 21, and verse 31. Remember, I said there are four pictures of people in need. And each time as it speaks about God meeting that need, look at verse 31 because it is the last of the four times that this statement is made. 
Oh, that's dripping with emotion. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. I wish I had time to really dig in beginning here in verse 32 on through. And, and, and I hope when you get home that you'll, you'll read on down through verse 43 and see how this, this entire psalm proceeds and how it ends. Because it's all a summary of what God has done. And it tells us, notice, that those that have seen the greatness and the goodness of God ought to praise Him. And notice, we ought to praise Him before others. Some of you have spiritual lockjaw. I was sitting there thinking a while ago, Brother John's sick and he's gone home. Brother Ron is in heaven shouting glory. And I don't. Brother Hamlin's not here, I'm sure. I heard him. Every week, some of our cheerleaders seem to, some of you need to pick up the pace and get with the program. What is it that makes us so fearful of expressing our emotion whenever it comes to the worship of the Lord? And notice, this is exactly what it's saying. Exalt Him where? In the congregation. And notice he says, praise Him in the Assembly of the elders. I don't know. Certainly no Christian here today could say, I've never experienced having witnessed the greatness and the goodness of God. And because of that, we ought to praise Him continually. And let me tell you, whatever... Whatever your situation is here today, and I don't know what it is that brought you to this wit's end, but there are some of you no doubt that you feel that way in regards to something. Like, what do I do? I've I, I just reached my limit. I, I, I don't know what to do. You need to admit you need God's help and ask God for help. But I, I don't want you to leave here today without knowing that there's hope. I want you to see the possibilities of what God can provide. I know you're in the storm. Don't pretend that you're not. You're in the storm. I know some of you are hurting, whether it's physically, emotionally, or whatever it is. I know, and I'm not trying to minimize your problem. I'm just saying that God is allowing it to happen for some reason that we don't understand. But since He doesn't make any mistake, we need to accept that and rejoice in in what God has done and what God is doing in our life. To, to realize the potential of it. I know we don't see the finished product yet, and that's why we get all bent out of shape, right? Because we, we don't get the big picture. We're just looking at the moment. And at the moment, none of this even makes any sense. After all, we love God with all of our heart. And, and some of you could honestly say, I am serving God to the point of physical exhaustion. Some of you could say that. And yet you have those problems that, that bring you to your wits end. Notice verse 30. Then are they glad because they be quiet. There's a calm now. So He bringeth them unto their desired 
haven. Their desired haven. Something happened. Now things, they've gone from grief to gladness. God not only brought them through the storm, He brought them, notice, to their desired haven. In other words, that speaks of where they wanted to be. This is the realization of their goal. This is the arrival of their aim, the fulfillment of their hope. And as we look at this story, we see how circumstances can change so drastically, how they can change so rapidly, and yet we have a God who can deliver us from our distress. He can save us from the storm, calm us in our calamity. He can change our circumstances. He's God. He guides us. He guards us. And here we see that He has given them gladness. Sometimes we make the mistake of getting so focused that all we can think about is getting out of the storm. I've got to get out of this storm. There's something a whole lot more important than getting out of the storm, and that's what you get out of the storm. What do you get out of the storm? If you're here today and a child of God, let me ask you, what is the desire of your heart? What do you want out of life? What do you want God to do? I agree with Paul whenever he said, Philippians 1.21 For to me to live is Christ. That, that just summed up everything. And, and as long as that happened, here was a man that although he was faithful to God in every way, a man who was going through great difficulties that you and I know nothing about, and he did so without complaint and, and said, I've learned to be content in whatever state I'm in. It doesn't make a difference whether i got plenty or whether I'm in poverty. It doesn't make any difference whether I'm in prison or a palace or whatever's going on in my life. Paul said, I- I'm content because God has supplied my basic needs. And God has commanded us, you know, with those needs therewith, he says, be content. You say, oh yeah, but that's really, really hard. Well, it's all according on our aim, our purpose for being here on planet earth. And Paul said, for to me, might be something different for other people, but Paul said, for to me, to live is Christ. That's what it's all about. So his desired haven, he, he tells us in Philippians chapter number 3 exactly what it is, and that was that he could be conformed to the image of Christ. That was the desire of his heart. He said, I've counted all things but lost for, for Christ. I pressed toward the mark for the prize of the high calling. More than anything, he wanted to be like Christ, whatever it takes. And sometimes it takes a storm. Sometimes it takes God letting you Go through such a storm that you're at your wits end. You don't know what to do. You're so desperate and nobody else can help you. And all you can do is say, oh God, help. That's when God has you right where He wants you to be. Their desired haven. And for a child of God, that ought to be three things basically. 
uninterrupted communion with Christ. Think about it. Uninterrupted communion with Christ. I'm not talking about sitting in the corner somewhere with an open Bible all day long, 24 hours a day. It's not what I mean. I mean, you're living your life in communion and fellowship with Christ. You're in touch with Him without interruption. Secondly, it means an unreserved commitment to Christ. That ought to be our desired haven. Uninterrupted communion... An unreserved commitment. And that gets us down to what Paul was talking about. An undeniable conformity to Christ. And let me tell you, that cannot happen without us suffering. You can't have diamonds if there's not that exceeding great pressure and heat. And you and I will never become what God wants us to be. We'll never become formed to the image of Christ. Do you realize the Bible says that even Jesus learned obedience through His suffering? Some of you have never even thought about that, have you? That doesn't mean, listen, that doesn't mean that He was sometimes disobedient to the Father. It doesn't mean that at all. The point being that it's only through suffering, only through those difficulties that we come as Jesus did through the experience of of being a human. That's why He is our effective mediator as He makes intercession for us because He was in all points tempted such as we are. Look, He would have never known what it was like to be like us. If he had just been in a body and never suffered. But he suffered in all points as we did. And yet he could say, not my will, but thine be done. And for him, that meant the cross. Because the will of the Father was more important than anything else. I'm telling you, your desired haven, whatever it takes for you to get there, ought to be an undeniable conformity to the Lord Jesus Christ. And as long as other people can see Christ living in and through you, it doesn't make any difference what the circumstances are if that's our goal. And if you're here today as a Christian, someday our ultimate, our ultimate desired Haven will be heaven. There'll be no more storms then. Thank God for that. And it's then that we'll enjoy unending company with Christ. To see Him as He is. To be with Him for all of eternity. And to be transformed fully into His likeness. Are you at your wit's end here today? You might be the most spiritual-minded, dedicated Christian in this room right now. And yet, in some sense of the word, you are at your wit's end. Let it make you better instead of getting bitter. One of the greatest quotes I've ever heard in my life. It was the fellow that said, 
I prayed a thousand times for God to heal me. And finally God healed me of the need to be healed. Boy, if we could all just get to that point in our life that Lord, I don't understand what's going on. Why here I am at my wits end. I, I, I don't know what to do, but... But I know that it's all in your hands and that you can take care of it and turn it all over to Him. Don't you dare walk out of here today without having a hope in your heart of what God can do in your life, even if it takes a storm. Amen. Because He doesn't make any mistakes. Let's stand together with our heads bowed as the musicians come and Tim, we prepare for the invitation. If you're here today and you've never received Christ as your Lord and Savior, you know, the, the whole message this morning has been basically about trying to, trying to encourage God's people, Christian people, those that have been saved and on their way to heaven. Well, a lot of them have really difficult problems they're going through. And I want to do what I can to encourage them. But listen, if you're here today and you've never received Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've got a problem far, far larger than any Christian has. There might be a Christian dying of cancer, but you've got a worse problem than that. might be a Christian going through a divorce, but you've got a worse problem than that. Might be a Christian that's bankrupt, but you've got a bigger problem than that. You need Jesus. Will you come to Him this morning while we sing?